Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mm, what's that smell? Buttered popcorn? No, it's the popcorn podcast and also the popcorn that you have in your microwave. It's, it's the podcast that goes as well with movies as popcorn. It's the popcorn podcast. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And that was comedic group Auntie Donna you heard at the top of the episode who star as corpses in the blockbuster film we are discussing today. Which is Dungeons and Dragons, Honour Among Thieves, which is based on the wildly popular 50-year-old role-playing fantasy game and follows a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers who embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. On their journey, they meet new friends, battle magical beasts and come up against ruthless villains. Dungeons and Dragons Honour Among Thieves is directed by John Francis Daly, who's an actor of Freaks and Geeks fame, and John Goldstein, who directed Game Night, which is a comedy that you and I both love. Am oh, I, yes. I'm assuming, yeah, yes. we both like it's that great one. Film. Yeah. Uh, and he also co-wrote Spider-Man Homecoming and Horrible Bosses with Daly. Yeah, they're a great screenwriting duo. Mm, indeed. The screenplay is by Daly and Goldstein, along with Michael Gillow. And the film stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Regajon Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Hugh Grant, Chloe Coleman, Daisy Head, Mark Bonanno, Broden Kelly, and Zachary Ruane, a.k.a. Auntie Donna. Local uh, stars there for us. Local stars, who you met on the red carpet of the Australian premiere of D&D. 
uh, not so long ago. That is correct. And if you want to check out that red carpet coverage, which we recommend you do, it's over on YouTube right now. Absolutely. Now, Lee, I'll start with this because mm. I think it's quite important regarding your own personal viewing experience is your relationship and knowledge of the game that this mm. film is based on, the mm-hmm. Hasbro board game, of which I have none whatsoever. Yes. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? I have not played it, but I am quite familiar with it through pop culture, things like, you know, Stranger Things. It became quite popular recently uh, yes. being featured in there. Also in Freaks and Geeks, which is a great series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of familiar with the concept and the characters, but no, I haven't played it. Yeah, see, I went in completely blind, other than the reference, which you're so right, with Stranger Things, the kids play it, mm. I think in episode one, it's one yeah. of the first things we see them do as a collective, as a group, mm. bringing that friendship together, uh, which many are formed around the game of, of Dungeons yes. and Dragons. I've got mates who have played it over time. But there's also been a, quite a few movies made mm-hmm. over the years. I have never seen any of those either. I have seen the 2000 movie and it's quite terrible. It had an absolutely awful scathing reception. It Mm. was a flop. It made something like $34 million from a budget of $45 million. So that tells you everything you need to know. It's got a sting. That had Jeremy Irons in it, didn't it? It did, yep. It also had Marlon Wayans in it in a character that was considered quite racist and offensive. So it, it doesn't come off well. Right. So they weren't off to a very good start with the adaptations no. in movie land. And then I think there were TV special sequels. Okay. That came along with that. And those TV special sequels led to a legal battle over the rights. What is it with movie rights yeah. with certain IP? So this one has been caught in that sort of yes nightmare. It's been stuck oh. in production hell for about 10 years. Shit. With early legal battles between Hasbro and the producers of that 2000 original film. Mm-hmm. But eventually it came and landed on Daly and Goldstein's desk in 2019, which yeah. was a few years ago now as well. Mm. And then they've shaped it into what it is today. There we go. Well, there's a bit of a history lesson on Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Thank God you're here, Lee. <laughs> yeah. So do you think if you don't have a knowledge of the Dungeons and Dragons game, you won't enjoy this film? Is that what you're getting at? Look, I, I guess... There was in a level of an enjoyment that I took out of this film just based on it being a fantasy ad- adventure flick and the things mm-hmm. that did well or didn't do well. I actually found the film, if you take all those other ingredients and histories out of it, I think it's quite an accessible fantasy adventure movie. I don't think there are things in there that are going to go over your head. However, I think there is a certain enjoyment in if you are a fan and you know the lore Mm. and the history and the scope and scale of the world that you'll get so much more out of it. I saw it with my husband, Josh, and there were certainly people in the audience who were reacting at times that I thought were interesting (laughs) times to react. But obviously, what what, did I miss something? Did Mm. I have a micro sleep? But clearly I put that down to them recognizing Mm. a place or a character or a moment or a cameo or whatever that Mm. just went over my head. It's very jargon heavy in relation to the games in terms of the language used. If you're not a and d diehard, it's true. You might struggle to follow along sometimes with mm. some of that dialogue and those references. Mm. But, yeah, I think you can enjoy the action and fun without fully understanding what they're talking about because it's a good time, this film, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Look, it, it was a good time. There were ingredients in the movie that didn't quite add up for me. And okay. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have a feeling that you're more on the I actually – 
quite enjoyed that movie, Fence. I was quite surprised at how much I enjoyed it because uh, I thought, you know, with fantasy films, sometimes they lean too heavily into the piss take mm. or like the meta kind of winks at the genre that are a little, you know, take the source material and turn it into something a bit too goofy. Okay. Maybe. Or they can go the other end and they can take it way too seriously. Way too seriously, yeah. yeah. And I think this film really walks the line very well between those two. Mm. And what's interesting for fans of the game D&D is that most of the characters are unique to the movie, but they're based on a class of character from the game. So you've got the bard, who's Chris Pine. You've Mm -hmm. got the fighter or the barbarian, which is Michelle Rodriguez. The druid, Sophia Lillis. The sorcerer, the rogue, Hugh Grant. The paladin, Riga Jean Page. You know, so then these characters that they're playing are not from the games, but they're inspired by a class of character from the games. And do you think that's a successful way of adapting something like a board game into the world of movies? I do, I do. Because Mm. in the game... You can choose your own character. And so there's this freedom to stay true to the source material but get creative with their own characters and their dynamics in this film. And I can't wait till we talk about the characters and the dynamics because that's something I really enjoyed. Yeah, okay. Look, going back to the story, I suppose, in terms of the ingredients, you mentioned Mm -hmm. about the balance of humour, like the goofiness, obviously with Chris Pine leading the charge Mm -hmm. in that sort of charismatic sense. Ala Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt. I was just synergies there. Chris Pine is a legend at the Goofy Hero, isn't yeah. He? he? Yeah, it's what he gets out of bed and gets paid millions of dollars to do and, <laughs> be and do it well. The line that I don't think or the balance I don't think they got right here, and this just comes down to the tone of the movie. Yeah. Yes, I found some of it quite funny and that balance in terms of it not taking itself too seriously but also establishing a world that was interesting and engaging and compelling but then they tried to pull on the heartstrings of Mm -hmm. the world and I didn't believe that basically the heart of the story which is about a father trying to get back his daughter Mm. the backstory was just like shoved in there to make you feel something but then they were trying to be funny about it and go on this adventure and you know things go wrong obviously they betrayals along the way and all sorts of characters and Mm. and and fighting and such like but then oh we're meant to believe it's a father-daughter film I just didn't feel that connection or believe that in any way. I, I will agree with you there. The tone is a little all over the shop mm. sometimes, but I think that's actually the point because the game is quite a silly game. Like, Okay, that's good to know. One of the characters in the game I think is like a brain with legs or something like that. Like it's a bit silly. <laughs> it is a bit silly. And they have to add some character development and some backstory to help flesh it out. And I mm. didn't have a problem with the father-daughter story. I think they could have done a bit more with it even because throughout the film, there's this MacGuffin piece of relic that they're searching for constantly, Mm -hmm. at the beginning at least, Mm. and then it isn't really relevant to the story or their motivations later on. Like it's still there. It's kind of still there, but it's kind of sidelined pretty quickly for then Edgar and Chris Pine's real motivation, which is his daughter. Like you are right, this movie was a bit of fun, harmless fun, but it, it was trying to do too much. It wasn't really sure what sort of movie it was yeah. wanting to be. Is it a father-daughter heartfelt, oh, my wife died because of something that I did 
shtick. Sorry, that was really callous of a way of putting that, <laughs> but I'm just trying to get it out. Or but is it a motley crew of people coming together, bumbling their way through saving the day? But that's what I was saying earlier, that they're walking that line mm. of making it a really fun adventure flick mm. and also giving it a bit of heart, taking it a little bit more seriously. Mm. It's marketed as being a funny film and you think, okay, sure, yeah, funny film. You roll your eyes and think, oh, God, it's just going to be shoehorning jokes into everything like Thor, Love and Thunder or... Oh, God. (laughs) Stop bringing up Thor, Love and Thunder. But I found myself chuckling along with it. I thought it was quite funny. And I guess the plot is also the same as the game, Mm. which is you have a quest, you come up against a random obstacle that's probably not realistic and you have to pivot and find a solution on the spot. So the film or the story itself is like a dungeon master. Mm. in the real game, throwing plot twists out here and there mm. or hither and thither, as the characters would say. Hither and thither. <laughs> hither and thither. Jesus. Just basically to screw with the players and make the game more interesting. And I feel like that's what the film did because sometimes I found myself towards the end going, like it was a real quest. What are they doing? Like one minute they're here, one minute they're there, one minute this is happening, one minute that's happening. Like there's a lot going on. Mm. So I can see how you would say it's a bit all over the shop, but I think that's kind of the point of the game. Look, this is such good context because it helps me pull the film together in a very different way. Mm. However, does it make it okay? <laughs> I, I, I actually don't think so because I, st- I still felt the the disconnect, the disjoin. Yeah. And, you know, this movie is two hours and 14 minutes long, which is long. It is. And there's like a conclusion to this movie, like without spoiling anything, like – it is done and then just to play on what you mentioned before or another plot twist and something there's also like a whole other subplot not really being explored they're kind of dangling in it and that in fact is the proper climax of the movie that is still to happen when you think everything's wrapped up and done and so i thought oh shit even though that was a really enjoyable part of the movie and some of the fight sequences action sequences which we'll talk about later were stunning i thought oh but this movie was over yeah and we're just being thrown back in again and i think that could have been a good place to end it too i know exactly what you're talking about Mm. because the character that they go back to fight (laughs) who raises the stakes into this world ending all of a sudden event Mm. could have been left on the sideline because it wasn't really super relevant all the way through yeah or it could have happened earlier on in the movie it could have been woven in a little differently but it literally felt like one book was closed and they thought, oh, should we wait to do this in the next movie? No, no, no. Let's do it now. And they just open up the book again yeah. and keep going. <laughs> That's what yeah. it felt like for me. Yeah. The story deviates in a lot of different directions sometimes. And there isn't a lot of time for character backstories. Mm. But I felt the world building of this fantasy IP was really, really solid. So there was enough in there to keep you interested? Yes. Okay. Because one one of my things I that mean, I took away... Albert. What a great invention. I've written Albert is badass <laughs> in my notes. Albert. Albert. Honestly. Exactly what it sounds like. An owl and a bear. An owl and a bear and you will be terrified and absolutely <laughs> delighted at the same time. If I'm going to throw a criticism out there, mm-hmm. I will say there isn't a lot of dungeons or dragons. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> State the obvious fuck. I mean, there is. There's a dragon. There's a dragon, a sh- Chonky dragon. Yeah, which I was a little <laughs> disappointed was played for comedy rather than menace. Yeah, uh, well, because what's in a name? Dungeons and Dragons, you think you're going to be handed that terrifying dragon in a cave. Mm. 
but that ain't the case in this <laughs> no. film. Or like mythical beasts, which we do mm. get a few. I don't want to cool. downplay it. We mm. do get a few, but I expected a bit more of that fantastical nature. It's a bit more grounded, if that makes sense. Can you say that about a fantasy film? It's a bit more grounded. I mean, that's rich. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is a grounded fantasy epic. <laughs> I'm not sure you'll read that anyway. The character development is very <laughs> gritty and believable. Emotional stakes high. <laughs> not really for me. <laughs> Uh, but also, just to pull on your point a bit more, yeah, dragons, light on the dragon front. How many dungeons did you actually count? Because I, I didn't <laughs> count them, but I didn't. I felt like there wasn't a lot. How do you categorize <laughs> a dungeon? Because they go to, you know, yeah. sandstone corridors and things like that. Is yeah. that a dungeon? I don't know. Maybe the prison at the beginning of the movie yeah. is considered a dungeon, but mm-hmm. that's just one and done at the top of the film. Yeah. Hmm. Improvements on the sequel. More dungeons, please. <laughs> more dungeons. They focused more on the spectacular landscapes. Oh, beautiful. Like the yes. locations are fantastic. I can't mm. wait till we talk about that. But mm. let's start with the characters and the performances. Now, go on. I want to hear what you thought of Chris Pine. I don't know. You're a huge fan. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> are you? I love when you come out with these factoids and I'm like, am I? I'm just saying, you're a huge fan, aren't you, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> am I? He's not bad. He's not bad. He's as right. far as the Chris's go, he's one of the, the better ones. Go. That's right. He's better than Chris Pratt at the moment. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Look, he plays the handsome, flawed hero very mm. well. Mm. This is a role he's born to play. He's self-deprecating. He doesn't take too much seriously. Mm. It's it's what you would expect from a Chris Pine performance in this film. I enjoyed the emotion and the heart around the father-daughter storyline. Look, see, just on that, I think from a character development and hooking you into that relationship – I think what this film lacked was oh, – see, see, they lent too much on the montages early on in the movie to right. establish who the characters were and their relationships and then they jumped to the present basically. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a scene or two missing between the father and the daughter to create some sort of on-screen connection mm. because everything else is – past tense you know you have a Mm. daughter in the present who resents her father because she's been told something about him Mm -hmm. and she's taking it on face value which is i guess a maturity thing she's a young girl you believe what an adult tells you but it just didn't make me believe that he had this beautiful relationship with her that he was trying to make you sort of Mm. latch on to and yeah i can see what you're saying because i guess he didn't she was closer with Michelle Rodriguez's character, Holger? I want to talk about her. Mm. She is kick ass. She's great. She's the warrior character, but she's also nursing a broken heart. Mm. So that's her little deep, rich backstory under all that muscle and gruff exterior. Yeah, she takes no shit. But as a result, she's quite stiff. So she plays the straight guy, so to yeah. speak, to Chris Pine's loud, quirky, witty, mm. charming fumble till you stand up and <laughs> and it was your plan all along type character. <laughs> <laughs> you paint quite a picture there. Mm. Um, I will say I really enjoyed the chemistry though between Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, which is completely platonic. Yep. Like they're not romantic. They don't give them a romantic relationship, but they mm. make a really great pair of companions who are just complete opposites mm. and they play off each other so well and have great comedic timing, I thought. Yeah, they were good. They were good with the words given with each other. And it's really refreshing that you have a male and a female lead in a film that doesn't lead to a will they, won't they kiss or get together. I think that's really important that they can stand alone in their own world, have their own sort of emotional stakes, him with his wife, her with her lost love, I guess, Mm. um, that didn't quite work out. Is that a spoiler if we talk about who shows up as her lost love? Yes, I think it is. I didn't 
put that in my notes. We're okay. not going to reveal who that is, but there is a special little cameo from an actor who hasn't been listed on IMDb either, ah, which is quite fun, quite yeah. weird. Like they must be a fan of the board game or something Maybe. because it's such a weird piece of casting, but it was a really sweet performance. Yeah. Like I thought they were really good. Anyway, that, that's something to get a kick out of when you watch the yeah. film, friends. Uh, one thing I will say is that I love that the women are predominantly doing the fighting in yeah. this film, but it isn't hitting you over the head with, for lack of a better word, wokeness. Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> Let's watch women kick ass. It's just yeah. women doing a job yep. that the men can't do or completely avoid. Yes. Like Chris Pine in this one <laughs> fight scene spends the entire time. Having a re- chat. Having a chat or trying to just get the rope off his arms. <laughs> While Michelle Rodriguez is there like killing multiple armed men. Yeah. So Michelle Rodriguez is one of those women and also mm. Sophia Lillis who mm. plays Druid Doric. Mm. She proves herself quite the little action star in this film. Doric's character is involved in some of the most visually dynamic sequences of the film. I think she's the one that transforms into the owl bear, mm. which is just the greatest invention ever. Yeah, I love it. Among many other animals along the way, mm-hmm. there's some really thrilling sequences with her involved in it, which were really captivating. There was one visual Lee that I couldn't get out of my head. I went into the movie because what mm. she looked like on the poster she looked just like Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. And it was had to do with her, her red hair, also part of her complexion and just her look. Right. But then also her costume. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because she kicked ass just like Natasha Romanoff mm. does in the MCU. But I, I just kept thinking, oh, God, she'd be a really good Black Widow. <laughs> it's funny that you mention MCU because there is one fight scene moment in the film where she does a Mark Ruffalo Hulk as the owlbear and she like slams someone oh, into the ground yes. like what he does with Loki like bang 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 yes in Avengers <laughs> that that was funny yeah that was really, really but that funny. made me immediately think of Avengers 100% we've also got Justice Smith in there who we've mm-hmm. seen in Pokemon of course yeah who plays Simon a sorcerer struggling with his self-confidence and <laughs> image and his narrative obstacles are all about overcoming a lack of proficiency and skill as a sorcerer Yes. But he does get his moment to shine. He's a bit of a shit wizard. (laughs) I would actually call out that his character arc was the most obvious one and the cleanest and clearest one. Yeah. He was a really good character to follow because he had something to grapple with and something to overcome Mm -hmm. and something to prove and achieve. And Justice Smith is a really endearing character Mm -hmm. and you don't, consider him as an idiot but someone who's just trying to do his best and not really getting there until hopefully what you hope for his character that he ultimately arrives at that place we've also got regular jean page of bridgerton fame of mm. course who plays zenk is how, how you pronounce it zenk zenk yeah. the righteous paladin mm. who briefly joins the team yeah but then <laughs> remains dedicated to his moral duties he's very righteous very righteous look he just came in Swooped in and out with effortless charm. <laughs> he did. Charisma, pizzazz, if you will. And this really deadpan delivery of his lines because he doesn't really do the funny stuff. No. And mucking around. He takes everything literally. Yeah. I really enjoyed his character. Probably next to Justice Smith's performance, he yep. was probably the most interesting. Of course, you've got Hugh Grant as the rogue of the piece. Mm. You know, very 
unreliable kind of member of the squad in ways with morally abject motivations that Mm. become clear as the film goes on. Yeah, the con man of the piece. I actually felt there was something missing in establishing the context of his character. Right. Just like the daughter of Kira not having screen time to establish the relationship with her father Mm. early on, there was something about that motley uh, crew of assembled wizards and Mm -hmm. warriors and con men that they just skated over and it was more past tense. This is what we were like. And I can't believe yeah. I thought I trusted you it was more talking in the past than the present. And you just meant to connect the dots. Well, yourself. There's a whole thing with Sophia Lillis's character about her entire species or community yes. being destroyed, which would have been rich ground to explore. But yeah, yeah. Th- because there's so many characters, it was really hard to dive into them all. Yeah. It's a hard balance just mm. on Hugh Grant. Like yeah. you can, you can just tell how much fun he's having with this character <laughs> and also just in in his career at the moment in general. Yeah. He is literally living his best life in Guy Ritchie's filmography right now. <laughs> yes. Just playing that sort of like that funny, wacky, just comes in and out, fuck shit yeah. up and leaves character. and Despicable kind of character. Yeah, yes. really evil and despicable, real character-driven pieces. I would actually use the word cad to describe most of his roles in Guy Ritchie's movies and in this film. Yes. Rogue cad. It's very fitting. Very fitting indeed. Yeah. Then we've also got Daisy Head's Safina who is a powerful wizard with a secret agenda. She turns out to be a bit useless and uninteresting, I think, Yeah. in terms of a character. The character is used as a way to, like we said earlier, blow the stakes up into this world-ending capacity mm. that I just really don't think was necessary. Mm, I agree. Although it did make for a fun climactic battle. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. But she sat idle for too long in the movie yeah. where things were just being, oh, but um, there's something sinister going on here. And all she did was wear a cape really well <laughs> uh, for a while, which turned black one moment, read the next, thought that was really cool. Yeah. But there wasn't much that she was given to do or had no. much purpose with the story until the part two of the finale. Yeah, and I think the motivations for her character weren't really clear until that point too. Mm, yeah. That was kind of the jargon and the... Um, maybe D&D references that I wasn't getting. Yes. Like maybe you should know who this person is and her class of character and why we need to watch out for them. Mm, That's a really good point. See, these are the things that fans of the board game would have really got a kick out of and would have been clued in Mm. on outside of just the general audience. But for me, I needed a bit more explanation as to why we should care that she's so scary or if she's even scary. Yeah, me too. Me too. I want to talk about that climactic battle just for a second because the Mm. action in that scene is really good and I just love that they all work together to fight at once instead of that silly one-on-one, I'll just wait my turn fighting that happens in a lot of action movies. Yeah, (laughs) and you thought, where did that character go for the last five minutes? (laughs) They've just been standing watching the... Oh, they were tying their shoe or something. Yeah, exactly. But in this one, they all work together using their different skill sets Mm -hmm. to come at the villain at once. Yes, which also plays into Chris Pine's character of of making a plan Mm -hmm. so it all feeds back to that whole thing where you think oh god they're a cohesive unit but you know it was always part of the plan what did you think about the special effects in the film I don't know if it was the screen that I was watching because you mm. know how the quality of certain screens in cinemas mm-hmm. are better than others or whether there was like, I don't know, a bit of Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> I, I found, which is mildly concerning, I found a lot of the 
distance establishing shots to have some sort of like glow to them, which took away the sharpness of the effects. It must have been something wrong with the screen. It must have been Vaseline on the lens because (laughs) it it felt too intentional. And for me, it just took away the sharp edge that some of the far away effects could have delivered to make it more believable. The close-up stuff I felt was really good, how it was weaved in with the practical Mm. effects and the sets and things. But not every shot was a triumph for me. How did you feel about the special I effects? I didn't notice that, to be mm. honest. I guess that some of the background shots would definitely be CGI. They would yeah. have to do that. But in terms of the locations and the sets, mm. like they were filmed in some spectacular locations Beautiful. in Northern Ireland and Iceland, which seems to be the go-to for medieval fantasy yeah. locations. I- Iceland at the is the playground for that sort of genre. But the locations really blew me away. I found mm. myself getting totally caught up in that and so maybe I didn't notice the yeah, what was going fair. on in the background. I really appreciated the tangible sets and them building the actual villages that they were travelling through and the different nuances and aesthetics that came with it, which I felt were really compelling in terms of the world-building nature that Dungeons and Dragons must offer as a board game, mm. which beautifully translate to screen. I just wish we got to spend more time in a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a planned franchise and you know, all those sorts of mm-hmm. headlines that you would expect, but... I, I wanted to spend more time. They seemed to just boing, boing from one place to another. Right. And I, I wanted to just marinate in them a little more. Hmm. But there's a lot of action to squeeze into there. Okay. M- one of my points was there wasn't much action in the front half of the film. Yeah. When they started fighting, I thought, this is cool. Oh, my God, this is awesome. Wait. <laughs> we've been watching for 45 minutes and no one's really thrown a punch until now. <laughs> and I felt that a bit strange. Hmm. Well, because I guess the first part of the film was Chris Pine's character, Michelle Rodriguez's character. So you get her fighting his battles. She's like his bodyguard. (laughs) She kind of is. Yeah. I will always love you. And (laughs) 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 And so he avoids fighting wherever possible. Yeah. What did you think of the whole opening sequence with them in the prison? (laughs) And how they got out of there. I found that quite funny. I found that funny. And especially in basically they didn't need to go to the lengths that they did. (laughs) To get yeah. out, which was that kind of cherry on top for that whole setup, because yeah. you you learned a lot about the characters in a really smart way mm-hmm. within a concise set piece. You knew who what he was like, you knew what she was like, and you kind of got a real good idea of why they ended up there. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent. So it was a really impactful opening. Yeah, I mm. thought it was a lot of fun. It set the tone really well. Yeah, hundred percent. Which then went in fifty different directions, according to you. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> out, and then an alphabetic soup from there on out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we wrap up our review of Dungeons and Dragons, Tim? Yeah, look, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves is a pretty good time at the cinema, but I've already largely forgotten about it and could take or leave a sequel. To be honest, it ultimately plays it too safe in a genre that has endless possibilities for world building and compelling set pieces. But what we get. Here is a pretty run-of-the-mill plot that tries to make you laugh and care for characters you know nothing about nor are convinced by their emotional turmoils. This struggles with a tone imbalance, which is a shame of what I've referenced. I'm going to rate Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves two and a half popcorn kernels. Really? That low? Oh, I th- look, that's pretty average. That's pretty average. It's, See, that's it's pretty average. Generous. Yeah. That's not an awful movie. I had a good time. <laughs> it just wasn't great. Well, filmmakers Daly and Goldstein have walked the line between taking this IP too seriously and sending it up. As I said, so often happens in the fantasy genre when filmmakers don't have a deep understanding of what makes an existing brand so beloved by fans. 
the cast, like a real D&D group of adventurers, all bring unique strengths to the table that work as a whole to create a fun, sometimes moving and entertaining franchise starter that can be enjoyed by non-D&D fans as much as diehard devotees. It's a hit, in my opinion. I'm giving it four popcorn kernels out of five. I was going to go three and a half. I'm using it. it up to four. I mean, you had a good time. I'm really happy for you. I had a good time. Great. Awesome. Well, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is in Australian cinemas from March 30, friends. And make sure you check out our red carpet coverage of the Australian premiere over on YouTube featuring local stars of the film Auntie Donna, who we didn't really talk about too much. They play corpses in the local version of the film, so Americans yes. probably won't get them. They'll probably get another comedy group of some <laughs> description. That was a really fun part of the movie yeah, for me. it was. I, yeah. I found that really good. And one thing that they did really well this movie, we're not done, we're still talking about <laughs> it, is the actual makeup of creatures and characters like actors dressed up rather mm-hmm. than CGI for certain things. I really appreciate it. Yeah. That sort of Stan Winston work vibe yeah. where they choose to do stuff in camera when it makes sense to, which yeah. just adds a depth to the world. And yeah. the corpses were, you know, well, real corpses. What am I trying <laughs> to say? They were, they were, you know, real things. They were living things yeah. on screen rather than CGI, which yeah. is a good call. And they were, they were quite funny. They were very funny. Brought Auntie Donna's unique sense of humour to it. Unique indeed. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. (laughs) All right, Tim, let's move on to the news. Kick us off. All right, so Linda Blair is reportedly returning as Regan McNeil in Blumhouse and David Gordon Green's Exorcist sequel, which is set to release during Halloween season this year. The original 1973 Best Screenplay Oscar winner followed a desperate mother, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Burstyn, seeking the help of an exorcist when her young daughter, Reagan, is possessed. Now, the new cast will include Leslie Odom Jr. as a new desperate parent looking for a solution to his child's possession. This will lead him to track down Chris with Burstein already confirmed to return. Yeah, so it would make sense that Linda Blair would be involved in 
that sequence in the film yes. with her mother. I am really surprised yet relieved that Linda Blair is returning. It's just going to be a cameo though, don't you reckon? Surely. Yeah. Surely. I mean, yes. I don't see she's going to be a huge player in the film. I'm a tad disappointed that they're retreading the whole parent worried about their child who's possessed kind of thing. But that's what requels do these days, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? They basically remake the original. Look, Halloween is done. David Gordon Green's got some time on his hands. He needs to move on to another franchise. He, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so images were leaked this week of Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn on the set of Joker for the Adieu in New York City. Oh, my God. This made my way. She looks so good. Oh, chills. Chills, chills, chills. So the images give a glimpse of Harley's costume, which is a more classic take on her look with a scarlet red jacket on top of a white shirt with black diamonds on it. And the eye makeup evokes Joaquin Phoenix's Joker style as well. Yeah, so the sequel to the dramatic crime story Joker, which won Phoenix his Oscar, Mm. presents the continuation of Arthur Fleck's descent into madness, but with a musical twist. Of course, when Lady Gaga's involved, <laughs> she can't be mute. Have you seen the video this week as well of her singing? No. It doesn't show her. Somebody's, From the film? Somebody has filmed outside oh. of like a studio, makeshift studio, and you can hear her singing. Okay, t- tell me about it. What what oh. sort of vibe do you I mean, get? You, you instantly recognise that it's Lady Gaga. Of course you would. But it sounds amazing. Oh, like, is uh, it jazz inspired? I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little. Desperate a little. To know. Oh, I'm going to show it. yes. <laughs> I'm going to show you after this. Oh, my God. Okay. Back to the (laughs) task at hand. It is the first superhero movie musical of its kind and allows for a creative deep dive into the twisted minds of the Joker and Harley Quinn as the duo falls in love at Arkham Asylum and plots to escape. When you hear it in that kind of context, I think this is a really creative way to go. I'm, I'm I agree. fascinated to see because, I mean, in the first film too, we lived in his fantasy world for a lot of the time. We did. And so this is just a continuation of that. Yeah, like how does the fantasy manifest within the constraints of an asylum? And when you add someone else to it. Into the mix and him becoming infatuated and obsessed with someone else. Yeah. And it be Harley Quinn obviously makes sense in the, the lore of Joker and their relationship in the comics. Fuck. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. I wonder if she'll be playing his therapist like she does. Oh, yes. Or if she's a fellow inmate. And I'm hoping that even though it's really separate from a tone perspective, timeline perspective, but Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn excellently Mm. in the Snyderverse version of the DCEU, you didn't really get much of the psychologist part. No. She was just Harley Quinn. So I'm hoping that they give time and attention to the demise and the mental manipulation that Joker has on Harley. Well, it would be great if they did that because certainly the first Joker didn't shy away from those really dark themes of, of mental illness and not getting the help that you need. Yep. And whether he could be helped or not, that's the point. This character, he can't be helped. Like That's the point of the Joker, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd really love to see that backstory play out. And considering Joker was R-rated, if they go down the same path, we could very well see that. How many R-rated musicals are there? Exactly. In the world? That, that excites me a lot. And sorry, we're just going on here, but this is ripe for discussion, this whole movie. The fact that they're making a sequel and they seem to be, you know, paving mm. the way for a story that holds. But, you know, could Joaquin walk away with 
a follow-up Oscar for mm. his performance? Could Lady Gaga finally land that Oscar nod that that she's been mm. reaching for? Well, she's been nominated. Yeah. yeah, she's been nominated. She has won for best song and some movie, but oh, um, uh, shallow for <laughs> what was that called? Born <laughs> this way? No, what is it called? Uh, I'm a star is born. <laughs> I'm a star is born. <laughs> I'm a star is born. A star is born. Anyway, I'm a really big Lady Gaga fan, and I'm just getting flustered just manifesting this yes. for her. So the Joker sequel is due to dance onto screens in late 2024. So we've still got a while to go. I know that, that's the thing that and stings. The first film was quite controversial. It had really mixed reception. So mm. this one, I have no doubt, will have the same. It'll push some more buttons. Yes, no doubt. So Amir Questlove Thompson is about to make his feature film directing debut, get this, with a live-action hybrid reimagining of the Aristocats for Walt Disney Studios. Yeah, so Questlove, who is the co-frontman, of course, of Jimmy Fallon's late show band The Roots, won the Oscar for Best Documentary last year with Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. And the Aristocats, of course, is the 1970 animation about an upper-class group of cats and the alley cat that helps them when they are kidnapped because they are due to inherit their owner's fortune. It's interesting that it's going to be a live-action hybrid. What does that mean, like CGI cats in a real world? Yes, I think so. Oh, God. Will there be a butthole cut of Aristocats? <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> like, oh, fuck that movie. Just is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you know what? I've got a confession to make, a popcorn mm. podcast confession well, that you will cast judgment on. It's just you and me, so come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've not seen the Aristocats, the animated <gasps> film. Mm. I wasn't around in 1970. Well, neither was I, but I've seen it. <laughs> come on. <laughs> So I will be watching the animated film before this. Of course. It seems random, but Questlove behind the project excites me. I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to have a great soundtrack at least. Absolutely, no doubt. The MCU is currently struggling under the weight of superhero movie fatigue, says we. (laughs) Says we. (laughs) High expectations and an unclear direction. But there has come a piece of casting news that has certainly helped lift morale on this podcast. I jumped up and down and squealed (laughs) with delight when I... I heard this. I I can just see it play out in my head. It was confirmed that Liv Tyler will be reprising her role as Betty Ross in Captain America New World Order. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Insert woo girl sentiment here. So something fans have been waiting for ever since her appearance as the character right at the very beginning of the MCU in 2008's The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's right. She starred in the second MCU film alongside Edward Norton as Bruce Banner Hulk as his love interest and the daughter of General Ross, also known as Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Ross was then and went on to be played by William Hurt in several MCU films over the years, but Hurt's sudden sad death in 2022 has led to the characters recasting. Yes, by none other than Mr. Harrison Ford, we might add. So we will be seeing Ford in his first gig as General Ross in the third Captain America sequel alongside his on-screen daughter Betty for the first time in 15 years. Do you know what's really funny? So... Like, I love Harrison Ford in this role. I think it's a great choice. Agreed. But Thunderbolt Ross, his most defining feature as a character is his moustache. 
Oh, oh yeah. And Harrison too. Ford isn't doing the mustache, and I just feel like that's such a <gasps> fuck you, Harrison Ford moment where he's just like, I'm not doing a mustache. Actually, <laughs> I've seen some pictures from the set. He doesn't have a mustache unless oh. they're gonna Superman CGI that oh shit on. Oh my god, no! <laughs> oh no, Henry Cavill mustache gate. <laughs> oh Jesus, that's I still have nightmares. But that just seems so. Harrison Ford, doesn't it? He's like, 100%. he's like, this is what the character has. Screw that. <laughs> that is a reality I can believe, but I'm hoping that the images that you have seen are him walking to set uh, before he's had his moustache <laughs> added in the chair. Oh, that's disappointing. That actually annoys me. Really? Yeah, I want the moustache. But it's Harrison Ford. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And we'll let him do it. We'll let him do it. So Captain America, New World Order and the return of Liv Tyler will be in Australian (laughs) cinemas from May of 2024. I'm just so curious as to how they're going to weave her back into this story because she hasn't even been mentioned. She hasn't? Has Bruce Banner already met her or will he meet her now? Are they going to bring Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner into this story? Like what's going on? Well, my understanding is... The Mark Ruffalo Bruce Banner is the Edward Norton one. So it was just recast. Yeah. It's not a different character or a different version. It was just Edward Norton moved mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. and they just put Mark Ruffalo in there. So, But in terms of canon, yeah. is she his long lost love interest? Maybe. Or have they not met yet? Have they not met yet? Mm. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. Because they gave him that romance with Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. Or maybe she'll come in and be like, what was that with Black Widow? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, Come on, leave me alone. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why she's sweeping in. Exactly. Oh, okay, that's sinister. All right, let's talk about some trailer releases we got this week. Now, the Trolls franchise has no end in sight with its third film, Trolls Band Together. Yeah, Poppy, voiced by Anna Kendrick and Branch, voiced by Justin Timberlake, are back and they're now officially finally a couple. And as they grow closer, Poppy discovers that Branch has a secret past. He was once part of her favourite boy band, Brozone, (laughs) with his four brothers, voiced by Troy Sivan, Eric Andre, David Diggs and Kid Cootie. Now, how the story goes is that Brozone, which, sorry, is just awful, (laughs) disbanded when Branch was still a baby. Okay, sorry, stop. I I have to stop you there. This boy band that was incredibly popular in this Trolls universe... (laughs) Were babies? Oh, <laughs> wait. Yeah, that's really uncomfortable. What? Talk about stage moms. What? Yeah. Okay. Exploitative yeah. world of trolls. Nothing's off limits. Okay, so they disbanded. Uh, <laughs> still a baby. That's actually so funny. As did the family. And Branch hasn't seen his brother since. But when Branch's bro Floyd is kidnapped for his musical talents by a pair of pop star villains, voiced by Amy Schumer and Andrew Renales, Branch and Poppy embark on an emotional journey to reunite the other brothers and rescue Floyd from a fate worse than pop culture obscurity. The premise is quite cute, though, isn't it? And it's very meta because of the very obvious connection (laughs) that Justin Timberlake has had in his career as a member of boy band NSYNC. Yes. Oh, God, I loved them when I was a teenager. Right. Oh, my God. So good. And it was a time in pop music that was saturated with pop sensations and boy bands like Backstreet Boys as well as Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera and J-Lo, just to name a few. Now, Trolls Band Together will hit Australian cinemas from Boxing Day, a.k.a. December 26th of this year. We also got a trailer for Wes Anderson's new film and he's added again with his unique style of filmmaking and the unmatched ability to assemble 
the biggest and best <laughs> cast Hollywood has ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, how does he do it? Well, I mean, his products are really good. So, yeah. you know, there's that lure there. Well, Asteroid City is his next witty, kooky, absurd and wacky visual feast. Insert another adjective here. Uh, with the plot set around the itinerary of a junior stargazer convention being spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. Yeah, so we mentioned an ensemble cast to rule them all. I'm just going to list some here. We've got Hong Chow, Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Hope Davis, Sophia Littlis, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Willem Dafoe, Adrian Brody, oh, Steve Carell. Hang on, I need a break. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Hilda Swinton, Matt Dillon, Rupert Friend and Lee Schreiber. Honestly, I mean, there's some usual suspects in there that always yeah. pop up in a Wes Anderson. Like Tilda Swinton. and Like Tilda, the only one. That's the only one I can think of. There's Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, of course. There's quite a lot of new ones in there. I'm really excited to see Tom Hanks and Steve Carell in a Wes yes. Anderson movie. And Margot Robbie, which I think is right up her alley. Yeah. Very excited by this. And so looking at the trailer... It's mm-hmm. very Wes Anderson in its colour palette, yep. in the way it's framed, in the dialogue. It's yes. just, and it looks really fun. It looks really fun. And obviously he chooses something that's mildly mundane, like a stargazer's convention. <laughs> yeah, then builds out this really interesting story of quirky characters around it. So th- that's something that he does yeah. really well. It's all about the quirky characters. 100%. And a cast of thousands. Cast of thousands. So Asteroid City will arrive in Australian cinemas from June 22nd. So we don't have long to wait. Not long at all, Lee. Well, we've made it through another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We have indeed. We reviewed Dungeons & Dragons, Honour Among Thieves, which is in Australian cinemas from March 30. And don't forget to check out our red carpet coverage of the Australian premiere over on YouTube featuring local stars of the film Auntie Donna, a.k.a. It's a very good time. (laughs) As always, friends, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.